Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, and welcome to a Talking Spartans, a post-game version, also a Spartan Speak podcast, however you're listening to this or watching us, looking at our faces. I hope you are listening to this. Uh, I'm Graham Couch from the Lansing State Journal, along with my colleague Chris Solari from the Detroit Free Press. Um, uh, the night after Michigan State's 24-0 loss to Indiana, uh, which uh, on the heels of a 49-7 loss at Iowa, is, a, is an especially brutal stretch of Michigan State football. And when you're watching what's happening to Michigan uh, as we record this, it sort of explains why a couple weeks ago happened in Ann Arbor and um, why everything is as it is right now from, from Michigan State. I thought today was probably, Chris, the, the closest to the truth about what MSU football is right now that we, we've gotten a picture of this year uh, against a good Indiana football team, but I don't think a great Indiana football team, but a good team. And uh, we, we sort of have a picture of what MSU is, and they're a team without an offensive line that can do much in the Big Ten and without clarity at quarterback. Pretty much sums it up right there without a running game, with uh, still questions of who can be a dominant running back with with injuries and omissions in the secondary that really got exploited today, I thought, um, by Michael Penix and, and particularly Ty Freifogel. I thought, I mean, that, that was the difference in the game. I mean, they attacked Shakur Brown over and over and over again. Um, he made some plays. They made a lot more. Um, but, but ultimately, it comes down to the fact that that goose egg on the scoreboard um, for the second time in two years, they, they got shut out at Wisconsin last year, and, and now you get shut out by Indiana at home. I mean, that's that's some pretty significant stuff right there, and couple it with the Iowa game, and now uh, what you would call, I would have to say, a controversy at quarterback when you when you take the ball from Rocky Lombardi, and rightfully so. He, I mean, he was, he was playing poorly and making yeah. bad decisions, and, you know, I don't know what happens going forward. We don't know if they're going to even be able to play at Maryland. I think it's a critical game because otherwise, um, you know, it it makes the the following week against Northwestern a tough call. Um, You know, Maryland's a little bit down compared to Northwestern right now, but playing hot football when they were healthy. So I don't know. I mean, there may be another week to think about what direction to go at quarterback, but but there's clearly – going to be some conversation, uh, if not loud conversation, about who should get to start next. Yeah, you know, and I think most Michigan State fans have just moved on from Rocky Lombardi. They look at it as if we've seen that, we know what he is. I don't know that he's entirely healthy right now. Um, that's just my own, because he looks clunky, kind of, he looks, he just, you know, he doesn't look agile at all and and so you, you really noticed it when Peyton Thorne came in and he would get around now he may just be an agile kid but he had much quicker feet getting out of stuff and I, I don't you know when I think of Rocky Lombardi at his best I don't think of him as some fleet-footed fast dude but I, I think of him as more he looks kind of like a sitting duck against pressure right now and then he you know then he's struggling against it and I don't think they're helping him out a ton either the, the passes he was throwing where he was picked are tough deep outs and things like that like that's just never been his 
strength. But both um, those passes were in double coverage, and and you got to understand yeah. where the coverage is rolling at that point. Yeah. Um, no, and he's the veteran guy, and and, and decisions, and, and and to credit them, you know, like it was an obvious thing at that moment. I, I remember thinking, there's just no way they can put him back out there. But there are times we've all watched football teams, football teams we love it, you know, in the pros and all over the place where you think they've got to make a move and they don't, you know what I mean? And and there are times Mark D'Antonio has not made that move. This, this was a time where it looked obvious. He was not giving Michigan state a chance and they made the move and, and Peyton Thorne comes in. He has the 38 yard run right away. gives people this sort of brief hope, but he had some moments where you go, well, that's there's potential there. And then he had some moments where he looks like a young quarterback, especially on critical downs, some, some missed throws on third down, some a sack on fourth, th- things like that. But, um, you know, he also the, – the, the advantage to him, I think, is he is farther from his ceiling than Rocky Lombardi is. And so if you're talking about development and you're trying to figure out – you're trying to have a reason to watch this year, something to develop in the next year and beyond, he's probably the right move. Um, I But – to me, and to me, if you got to let the, I mean, Rocky Lombardi won the job and you have to trust that he won the job out of camp. So there, there's a reason that that played out the way it did. And you saw that with some of the mistakes I think that Thorne made today. I think the other thing to keep in mind, and Mel Tucker was pretty open about this, even from the beginning of the, the second part of the fall camp when they resumed, is that all these jobs would be open and, and competition would be ongoing every week. And, you know, does that mean that Peyton Thorne's going to start whenever the next game is, whether it's at Maryland next week or two weeks from now against Northwestern? That remains to be seen. I think it'll. I think it literally does depend on how they're going to do during practice. I do think the one thing that that Thorne gives you maybe that Lombardi doesn't right now, and it it doesn't necessarily have to do per se with the quarterback position itself, but the the ability to escape that pressure that's constantly coming. I, I think you know you saw one. Uh, his ability to create on the run and throw, um, you know, he, he might not have hit some of those passes and I don't know how much of that is jitters, how much of that is just the newness of, of being a young kid. He's a red shirt freshman who took four snaps at Iowa the previous week. That was, that was the entirety of his experience, but he did look smooth when he did get out of the pocket and, and was continuing to look downfield um, even when he had the ball in his hands, I think there was one play I thought he was going to go over the line of scrimmage and he was able to to make a play. But I mean, this that's if you don't have a line that's going to be able to keep a guy upright, like you said, if you're not able to escape the pressure, if you're getting hit and you're you're making the decisions and sticking in the pocket a little bit too long, um, then maybe you have to go to a, a guy that that can make things happen a little bit more with his feet. Yeah, no. It's almost unfair to the court. Like, is it in a, in a, on a good team, Rocky Lombardi may be fine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you had a quarterback who could, or if you got a line that could protect and you had a running game and all that stuff. And Michigan, you go back to, I mean, I think it greatly hindered, uh, um, uh, well, uh, way back, I thought this what hurt Andrew Maxwell's confidence when they didn't have those things. And I think Brian Lewerke's career, besides the injuries, was hindered by that too in his own development. And, it's really unfair to these guys. They've got to get that corrected in the program. And, you know, I think one of the hardest things today, and I wrote about this a little bit, is it's, you know, there's a, a natural inclination to want to blame right now. And if there's any blame that's really due, it's probably Mark D'Antonio. These are, this is his roster. He stayed too long. Uh, but, but he also led them to unimaginable heights, you know, and, and now he's, and lots of coaches stay too long and don't leave at the right moment. And, and this is year one for Tucker, and he may make mistakes within a game, but he doesn't have a single 
Uh, he hasn't signed a single player himself yet. And Gordon um, Simmons, that, that's kind of a yeah, kind of a quasi recruit. And and so that you know it, it, it's and the players obviously you can blame them because they're on the field, but these are nineteen to twenty one year old kids trying to do the best they can here, and, and they just don't have enough horses. I. So I, I think it's just a tough deal. You, I mean, I think you're grateful if you're a Michigan State fan that they got the win over Michigan, even though Michigan looks awful. But at least it's something. Um, and you try to find another win somewhere this year, and you try to find something that makes you feel good going into the offseason, like whatever that is. Like, and, and, I, and you found your quarterback. Uh, there's a young – one side of the line looks good. You can run behind a little bit, you know. Uh, they get something. It, it one of the couple of the receivers start really playing well. If something happens where you just feel like, all right, that's something. Because right now it, it it feels like you're at the very, very beginning. Yeah, and what's weird is, I mean, you had some positives in those first two games without question. I mean, you had, what, 27 points in both of those games. And, you know, you, you might have saw some struggles, but you saw flashes of, of the receivers with Reed. You saw flashes with – with Ricky White at Michigan, even last week at, at Iowa, you saw the flashes in the deep ball with Naylor. Um, you didn't really see any of that this week. I mean, I thought I thought Jaden Reed had a couple plays, but I mean, there weren't very many explosive plays in this game for Michigan State um, on either side. I mean, the, there was the yeah. thorn run, and there was a, a long pass to um, to Reed, and that's about it. And if listen, if you if you can put up fifty four points in two games and it's against competition within the big 10, you've got the ability to put the ball in the end zone, but seven points in two games. I mean, that, that obviously isn't going to cut it. I mean, that's regression past where Michigan state's offense was the past two years. And and I think that, um, you know, the things that I heard last year about Thorne um, were pretty positive. Um, you know, one person told me that in, in one of the early scrimmages, he looked like a young Drew Brees, take that with a grain of salt because we know eventually what Drew Brees became, but that, but you, you see the flashes of when he has the ball and he's moving away from from the center spot and, and going and, and and throwing on the run. You can see it a little bit. Uh, you know, I wouldn't anoint him anywhere near that. I, I, I think well, it's hyperbole, but um, he, he does look competent. And you're right. If you if you can develop that, if you if you see that. Well, that's a plus going into next year. Otherwise, if if you don't have a quarterback, whether it be Lombardi, whether it be Thorne, whether it be Theo Day, who who at times is – I saw this at Nebraska last – or excuse me, at, at Iowa last week, and I saw it again today where he he's checked out of the offense and the two quarterbacks who are above him are in the huddle and he's elsewhere on the sideline. Um, You know, if one of those guys can't do it, then you got to figure out a way to go get a quarterback right now that can play next year. Yeah, I think, you know, you look at the transfer portal and all the different things they're going to have because of COVID with I, the waivers are going to be flying and the ability to transfer right away. Who knows when that's exactly in place. You're going to have the ability to go get a guy if you want to. And I think these guys probably know that, that this is their year to prove that they're the, the flip side of that is that Peyton Thorne looks like a promising young quarterback by the end of this year, even if he's still young and making some mistakes, you may say, you know what, let, let's ride with what we got here. And, and, and develop other younger guys uh, coming up. And, and, and I think the, the, the really the big thing, even though it doesn't say Thorne is the guy moving forward, by making the move, like last week when they made the move against Iowa, he'd had an awful day in his homecoming, but it was garbage time. When they made the move here, this was in the first half saying, this isn't working. We are benching the guy who's been sort of the voice of the offense, the leader. And when, once you do that, 
you really truly give yourself the freedom in a competition to choose anybody you want and anybody who wins it going forwards. I, I personally would be surprised if Rocky Lombardi, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying there won't be a game where, you know, Peyton struggles or something goes wrong and they put Lombardi in. But I would be very surprised if, if Lombardi regains the starting the starting job, unless, you know, in practice, it's, I, just, I, I did very much doubt the difference between those guys was ever that much. And um, I, I think, I think you'll see, I think you'll see Peyton Thorne whenever that is next week or two weeks in Northwestern. What, what that is, it's interesting. You mentioned Northwestern because when, when you mentioned that it, it the, what popped into my head was the 2016 game between Michigan state and Northwestern. Remember that was Brian Lewerke's first start. And, yeah it wasn't working in the first half. And then you saw Tyler O'Connor come back in and he was throwing the ball over the field that day. Um, you know, can that happen again? Yeah, absolutely. It can happen again. Um, will it at this point? I don't know. It's a different year. It's, you know, without anything on the line. And I say that in that this is a lost year. We all know that. I mean, it's a lost year um, from a roster standpoint. It's a lost year from a COVID standpoint around the country. Um, with games getting, yeah, and we don't know, Chris. We don't know whether they're going to be. I mean, not only is next week in doubt for Michigan State, but the way things are going, it, it just feels like. I mean, there could be a shutdown in two weeks period for all of college football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were twenty five percent of the scheduled games this week canceled. Yeah. That number is continuing to rise percentage wise uh, the last two three weeks. So, uh, who knows? Um, you know, and, and that's. I mean, that's been ultimately what's what's been uh, kind of driving college football all, all season is the unknown and, and not knowing what might happen. I mean, you know, I thought Antoine Simmons, when, when we talked to him, brought up an interesting point as well, that there are still guys that are opting out and that's, that can happen. I mean, there are guys in the middle of, of the season that you're seeing around the country opt out and decide now is not the time to play. So what happens if, if that happens to Michigan State's roster and guys start saying, you know what, I don't want to take that risk. Are they going to have enough bodies? Or are other teams going to have that happen on their schedule? It's it's going to be an interesting thing to, to kind of keep an eye on because we're at the halfway point of the Big Ten's eight games that they have scheduled. They have the ninth game out there after it. Um, but now we're talking about December 19th. And, I mean, t- today they pushed back the Heisman vote. So that tells you something right there. That's that's a significant thing when they're pushing the Heisman back all the way into January to be announced. So, you know, I, I guess all we get, can do is sit and watch. And all that, all that Michigan State can do is just prepare for Maryland right now. I mean, that's ultimately what you can do. And I thought that Mel Tucker and I thought Antoine Simmons both hit that beat and, and they were emphatic about it. Um, you have to prepare for what you know. But let me ask you this. Well, I'm going beyond that. Just based on Wisconsin and other things, I'm guessing Monday or Tuesday at the latest we will know if they're going to play that game. Uh, may, maybe even Monday because it sounds like their Maryland players are quarantined through Sunday, um, and I'm guessing they're getting tested daily. My, we may Monday have a really good idea of what their numbers are and whether they're going to be able to play that well, game. The other thing unknown here, and, and Heather Dinich of ESPN brought this up, that the Big Ten presidents voted last week to allow team two teams that have their opponents cancel for COVID reasons be able to schedule each other within the conference. So, yeah. and, and it doesn't matter if it's a rematch or anything else. So if there's a, if there's a game that gets canceled, Michigan State could be going somewhere else, or someone else could be coming to East Lansing next week. I mean, 
Yeah, Absolutely. Is, I mean, when you, when you want to be Michigan State, yeah, Michigan State, you want Minnesota or Illinois to have a game canceled against them. <laughs> Come yeah. East Lansing. <laughs> you well, want that, to be the, that, that would be a, a beneficial thing for them. But, you know, that's not the circumstances. And, and again, we don't, you know, we saw the numbers around the athletic department at Michigan State go up this week. So, and, and Tom Izzo gets tested positive as well. So, you know, that that's not precluding Michigan State from having to cancel it themselves too. So we, I, this is the unknowns that we are in right now. And, you know, when they decided to bring back football in, in the Big Ten, this was part of the reason why they – stopped it and decided not to do it in the first place because there is, is going to be uncertainty. And, you know, n- then what is the psychological toll and effect on these kids again, now that you're starting, stopping, starting, stopping, starting, stopping. I mean, th- there as much as it is in some ways healthy for them, or at least the ones who want to take the risk and feel comfortable taking the risk to play. Um, there's still that, that question of what are we doing it for? If it gets shut down again, anyways, there, I start. I'm starting to get emails and tweets at me. People just saying, "Why are Why are we still doing this?" And uh, you know, I think as long as you can keep teams sort of in a bubble at this point, and you've already started playing, and and you know, I don't really have an ethical issue with. I mean, I have some ethical issues at the beginning, you could argue, but uh, you know, you're, you're doing what you're doing at this point. There, there does come a certain point where the even beyond what's on your campus, the optics in the country will start looking awful. That said, if we're all stuck at home again, you know, watching some college football isn't the worst thing in the world. But I, I do think you, you, we're getting to a point where it feels like our priorities are skewed. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Maybe they can get through this season. And they've got four regular season games left and one extra. And if they can get through that season and get the television revenue for it and get, you know, the experience. And Mel Tucker did say today, he said, you know, that they need these games. They need to evaluate. They need to see – I guarantee he wishes all this was happening not on TV, but but they want these games uh, to evaluate to understand exactly what they have in this program. The, the, the direct quote was, "We need to play football," and yeah. you know, from Michigan State's staff standpoint, from not necessarily the optics on this, I, I think that could be taken the wrong way, but I think simply from the fact that they did not have a spring practice, they did not have summer workouts. Um, this is essentially what they need to do. If it's a free year it's an evaluation period in a lot of ways for Tucker, his staff weekly game by game uh, drive by drive. And in some cases we saw today, um, I think that, you you know, you, you saw uh, at Iowa, you saw him rotating a number of guys in at that nickelback spot um, with Chris Jackson out and Shakur Brown sliding over Um, Julian Barnett got the start there. Didn't really play today. Um, That was, that went to that role went to Angelo gross. Who's the true freshman guys that, you would have had a better idea of uh, as an early enrollee in, in the spring. Um, same with Peyton Thorne. I mean, you know, we, we wrote all about this in December of how Mark yeah. Antonio was giving the quarterbacks the the competition early in, in the bowl practice. Well, then he didn't give anybody a snap other than Brian yeah. Lewerke. So that sets him up even worse. So it's, okay, we're going into the spring with a full quarterback competition. There's no spring practice. There's no summer workouts. You're, you're working out on your own. So, um, you know, that there's a lot that they need to figure out in terms of who can do what and put them in the right spots. But and I, I don't think it's fair to, to really condemn the coaches for personnel decisions. Now, play calling, there's a body of work that says don't give the ball to Connor Hayward on fourth and two. Yeah, uh, right. It's a three year body of work that, that says yeah. that's on the coaches. But yeah. when you are, are trying to figure out, um, 
you know, five running backs. Why are you playing five running backs, four running backs? Because you have no idea who can, when the lights are on, is going to be able to do it. Yeah, there are only a few programs, I think, in the around the country and, and a few in the Big Ten, the Indianas, uh, you know, the Northwesterns, Ohio States, that are trying to really get something out of this year. Everybody else trying to get through at Michigan State, trying to evaluate. We'll have complete coverage at Freep.com, at LSJ.com, greenandwhite.com, and we'll be back with a, uh, another Spartan speaker earlier this week. Maybe we'll have a basketball schedule, too. Maybe something like that. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see if there's – we'll see if basketball actually happens. Uh, thanks for watching or listening. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.